If you take your notes this morning, I want you to write down hero qualifiers. Last week we started a new series. I was so excited. I just just rocked by the baptisms last week. I, the 23, 24 people got baptized last week. So powerful to see that. But last week I talked about being enamored with heroes. I just want to set the stage. See, we're created and we're wired. We're created and we're wired for heroic things because we've been created in the image of God. And within God there is this there's this hero, right? An interesting um, secular article that, that I read studied the qualities of a hero. Secular study. Study the qualities of a hero. And they questioned, the question was if there was actually a hero gene. I thought that was really interesting. Is there a hero gene? And they, 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 actually, they actually listed 12 characteristics of a hero. And it's interesting as I was reading that, that basically all of those characteristics are attributes that we see that God uh, espouses in His Word. Our world is in need of heroes. Amen? And, and we've, we, we've got heroes that are very visible. We've got heroes that are very celebrated. We also have countless unsung heroes that never make the stage, that the headlines, the news, or the social media feeds. Amen? We also have in our culture a lot of fake heroes. A lot of manufactured heroes. A lot of media, social media created heroes. We have, we have people that are creating heroes out of people that are taking a stand for even sinful activities. Listen, championing sinful activity does not make you a hero. You know, and, and so, so, you know, as we look at this, um, you know, I actually, speaking of heroes, I saw that there's a new Thor movie coming out. And you know why I was so excited? Because it says that he's going to get in shape again. Because the last, the last movie I saw him in, he was like this out of shape hero and it deflated me. I was like, wait a minute, that's not what he's supposed to be, right? I mean, but, but think about this, most, most of all of our biblical heroes fall short. They're out of shape in some sense. They are, they're not perfect people. Abraham gets a promise from God and then he tried to fulfill it on his own. And there's still this uh, reverberations of Ishmael today. We find that, that Joseph gets a dream from God. We know that, 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 that God used Joseph in a mighty way, but he gets a dream from God about how his brothers are going to be bowing down before him, and he tells them. Can you imagine? It's hard enough to get along with your siblings anyway. Is that you will bow before me, right? You know what I'm saying? It's like, man, not a smart move. Or David. David was an adulterer. Right? Or Noah. We're going to talk about Noah today. Noah was actually the first person in the Bible that was a drunk. So, so, so our, our biblical heroes are not perfect. They resemble so many people that are here. We're not perfect people. But there's some things about this that we need to unpack. It's not to diminish what they did, but to show that imperfect people like you and I can walk in a way that changes things around us. And we need to reclaim a biblical definition of what a hero is. Amen? What does the Bible say? What, is, what did God say? I love that in Hebrews where it says that there were men that, 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 that walked that were not worth, the world was not worthy of them. And I'm like, man, that's just so, this just inspires me. Last week we unpacked the story of an unsung hero with the Good Samaritan. And, and that faith was a qualifier for a hero. Faith was a qualifier. And that 
when we, stick, when we take the step of faith, we can believe, James says we, that even the demons believe. So we, we talked about how, how belief is more than just like uh, an intellectual understanding, but it is basically, uh, faith is, that, is where you shift your allegiance you know, it's, it's a faith and a belief that actually shifts your allegiance from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. Amen? So this week I want to talk about another unsung hero. And then a couple others, uh, time permitting. The early church was absolutely blowing up in an amazing way. Fifty days after the, as, after the resurrection, I mean, things were, things were moving, things were growing, people were getting saved, they were getting baptized, they were getting... They were, they were getting filled with the Holy Spirit. There was miracles. There was signs. There was stuff like, you know, some of the apostles would walk by and their shadow would fall on people and they'd get healed or a handkerchief would get passed around. There was just crazy God stuff that was happening. And a man named Stephen was preaching and he was bringing conviction because there's a, there's a part of this whole thing that doesn't is absolutely opposed to the kingdom of God moving. So he's preaching in front of a, a bunch of religious people and they begin to get angry with him. I mean, just, I mean, the Bible says they were gnashing their teeth. I'm just always a really weird picture, you know, gnashing their teeth. I was like, I don't know, that's weird. The gospel was being preached and the Bible records that the world was being turned upside down. So here's Stephen, he's preaching, he's bringing conviction, and then he gets a vision right there of the heavens open, and Jesus sitting at the right hand of God, and the crowd began to stone him. It says in Acts uh, 7, verse 58, and then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. Somebody say Saul. And it says, and as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out again with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. And so then it goes on to record in Acts chapter 8. Now listen, there's a lot of Bible here this morning. Amen. A lot of passages I want to unpack. So if you missed your devotion this week, we're going to catch up. Okay, it's all good. So in, in Acts chapter 8, verse 1, it says, Then Paul approved of his execution, or, uh, and Saul approved of his execution. And there arose again on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And then we see in Acts chapter 8, verse 3, but Saul, somebody say Saul, was ravaging the church. Ravaging the church, entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. This was a bad man. This was a hit man. This was a guy that had letters from the council in Jerusalem to basically cleanse the whole, you know, the, the, the whole area of this, the, the, the group of people known by, called the followers. I mean, he was not good. Sometimes we get so familiar with the story that we just kind of gloss over it and we don't understand the implications. The, the, the Bible records that Saul was breathing murderous threats against the church. Right? So that's the, that's the context. And we see that then after that, that Saul had this conversion experience on the road to Damascus, blinding light and, and the voice of Jesus. And, and then he became a believer. It's like, cool, okay, he went from like bad dude to good dude. Everything's good, right? No, except his reputation 
was still out there. Nobody knew what really had happened. And now we, 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 we pick it up because I'm going to talk about another unsung hero. And this, this unsung hero, his name is Ananias. In Acts 9, verse 10 through 19, it said, Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. Listen, that's like the, one of the basic qualifiers of being a hero. Is number one, you respond to the voice of the Lord. When God says, hey, hey I'm calling you, here am I. Like, you, you, you know, you turn. Moses turned. I mean, we see that. So it says, um, and the Lord said to him, rise and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul, for behold, he's praying. He's seen in a vision. A man named Ananias come in, lay hands on him so that he will regain his sight. But Ananias answered, real, remember the context, murderous threats, dragging people out of the church, approving of the execution of Stephen. I mean, this guy's bad. But Ananias answered, uh, Lord, I've heard from many about this man and how much evil he's done to your saints or Jerusalem. And, and here he has the authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go for he's a chosen instrument of mine to carry out my name. So basically God instructed, but I still want you to go. I know this is a fearful thing, but I want you to go to him. And we know the story. Ananias went, laid hands on him. Now, I, yeah, see, 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 the qualifier right here to be a hero is courage. You've got to have some courage. There's times in your life when God will ask you to do something and you've got to understand that you have to step forward in courage for that to be fulfilled. So we know that this, this happened. And then, you know, so, so Ananias goes and he lays hands on him, overcomes his trepidation, his fear, the reputation, and he imparts and does what God calls him to do. And then we know that Paul then began to preach the gospel. This is an amazing story. Here, courage is a hero qualifier. And we don't have time to look at every verse or any place that courage is mentioned in the Bible. There's so many, but I want to cover a couple of things. Deuteronomy 31, 6 says, Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them. For it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. The promise of God is if He asks you to move, He's going to be with you. And there's times where it just takes courage. Faith is a qualifier. Courage is a qualifier. It says in Joshua 1.6, Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Listen, Joshua was entrusted with a great promise. Listen, I'm going to use you, but you've got to do this with courage. You do not possess what God has called you to possess unless you have some courage. Courage is a qualifier, okay? And we, can, we, we, we realize that God will help us. Psalm 31, 24 says, Be strong, let your heart take courage, all you who wait for the Lord. Now this is really cool because, you know, Ananias' name, it meant Yahweh's grace. Ananias' name meant Yahweh's grace. See, it takes, think about this, it takes courage at times to extend grace. Because we don't really want to extend grace. We want to extend justice. That's wrong, right? Justice. I mean, the early disciples did. 
They were like, there were some people doing some stuff over there, and you know, John and James was like, hey Lord, do you want us to call down some lightning and thunder on them, right? Yeah. Come on, like the hammer of Thor. Let's go. It's like, no. It takes courage to extend grace. Seriously, and it's not our place really to, to do anything but that. But that, I just love that. See, God's grace worked through a courageous man. And it takes grace to extend, takes courage to extend grace because the courage of Jesus extended grace to us. Amen? So here's another hero that I want to examine this morning, and that's Noah. I love Noah, but once again, we gloss over the story. We get so familiar with it. You know, we teach it in Sunday school and Noah and his arky, arky, and but you know, all this kind of stuff, right? And two by two. And I mean, so 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 we become really familiar with this, right? We do. But look at this in, in Hebrews eleven seven, it says, By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. And by this, he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness that comes by faith. Now, come on, let's talk about Noah. Think about Noah. I don't think we, I don't think we celebrate. Do you know how close we came to not being here today? I don't know about you, but that really struck me. We came super, super close to not being here today. You know why I know that? Because in Genesis 6, verse 6 through 8, it says, and the Lord regretted that he made man on the earth. And it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I've created down from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I'm sorry that I've made them. God was ready to clear the table. He was done. And yet it said, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Something in Noah's relationship with God actually made God stop and change what he had in his heart to do. Think about that. Can't we be grateful for that hero today? I mean, when I'm thinking about that, I think, whoa, we should be like naming our kids Noah. Whoa, we should be having like a Noah three-day weekend. I mean, Noah three-day weekend, man, you go to the ocean and you get in a boat and you celebrate. You know what I'm saying? Noah Day. Hey, it's Noah Day. We don't do that kind of stuff, but do you know how close we weren't to being here? It was one guy. Seriously, Noah's, I mean, God's ready to say, I'm done with him. I'm wiping them all out. And then the eyes of the Lord roam to and fro throughout the whole earth, looking for those whose hearts loyal to him. And he sees Noah. Wow. Going to wipe them all out. He saw a man to have a relationship with God. It takes courage to have a relationship with God. Because the culture of the world, the spirit of the world, doesn't really want you like, you know? What do you mean? You need God? Uh, I, don't need, I don't need that crutch, Jesus. I do. I need a couple of them. Right? I mean, what a hero. He found favor. He had this reverent fear. He had this respect of God. And then when God gave him instructions that took, scholars will say anywhere from 70 to 120 years. I don't know. It's still a long time. That's a long time. That's a long time to grind. That's a long, I I want you to build this thing that nobody really knows why you're building it or what you're doing it for. Right? 
Can you think about this guy in his neighborhood? You know, in my neighborhood, we've got like these CC&Rs, covenants and stuff. You know, you can't have whatever. You can't have pigs. You can't have whatever, blah, blah, blah. This thing's right in his driveway. You know, and his neighbors for 70 years ago, and what are you building, dude? I'm not sure, but God told me to build. You sound crazy. And we have this, this, this microwave culture that's ridiculous. You, 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 don't, you don't build stuff and build faith and all that without this journey and this grinded out thing. We just want to get in and we want to like do the faith drive through and get it and then we're all good. We're all happy clappy because I got my happy meal. Right? That's how we are. I, I, I confess I was, at a, I was at the Bloom thing and and, and Robbie had a team dinner with about like 30 or 40 of the women. And I got invited. But I'm like, ah, I don't want to go eat with like 30 or 40 women. I mean, it's cool. I just, you know, I just kind of want to do my own thing. And, and so I drove by Chick-fil-A. And it's like, wow, this is the first time I haven't seen like 50 cars parked there. I'm going to go do Chick-fil-A, right? So I'm like, hey, I'm going I'm to experience this thing, right? We have a fast food thing. We have a microwave culture. I love the, I, you know, the churches that, and people and pillars in churches that build stuff. They build stuff for generations. God's called us to build something not just for our generation, but for the next. The Bible says that David, after serving the purposes of God in his generation, slept. This is a generational thing that's kingdom. And we have this I'll fly away mentality way too much. I've been, you know, the strongest churches that I've, that I've seen, been a part of is like, you know, teams that served together so long. I mean, you know, you know, how long have you guys been elders? Well, we've been elders for 30 years together. They almost look like brothers and sisters. They just grow old together. There's something about grinding this thing out. Here's Noah building something that nobody knows about for 70 years. And he just puts his hand to it because there's faith. There's faith and trust in God, even when I don't understand what's happening. There's a lot of questions. There's a lot of questions about Noah. Like nobody ever knows what Noah's wife was named. I heard a child one time says, well, I think her name was Joan of Arc. It's like, okay, pretty good guess, right? But the biggest qualifier that Noah had was he walked with God in an evil generation. We see that he didn't let culture sway him from being just. In fact, the Bible says he was perfect in his generation. Now, when I when I consider that that God wanted to wipe everybody out, I didn't think the standard was set really high, but it was all it's all good. Now, Noah walking in his generation was also indicative of Abraham. I said another here, I want to just take a a few moments this morning and and unpack in Hebrews eleven, eight through ten. It says, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called out to go to a place that he was to receive his inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. And by faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land. Somebody say foreign land because that's important. Foreign land. Living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him in the same promise. For he was looking forward to a city that has foundations whose designer and builder is God. He went out not knowing where he was going. Ooh, think about that. He went out not knowing 
where he was going, but trust that God would show him. You know what I'm saying? It sounds like a, like a, a rap song right there. It's pretty cool. Not knowing where he was going, but God was going to show him. And God was going to be flowing. Because he was going. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know. I told you I was tired. That kind of stuff comes out when I'm tired. When I'm... I love that you're sitting on the front row again. Jeez. If you don't know Morgan, she always laughs about five minutes afterwards. It's so cool. But there's a couple things here that are super important about, about, um, about Noah and Abraham. Uh, Pastor Tony uh, Evans writes this. He, he talks about the discipline of waiting well, waiting well. See, while you're waiting, God is doing two things in your life. It's important you hear this. He's preparing the promise for you, and He's preparing you for the promise. There's stuff that God promised me that I felt like I got a word from God that when it came, I was not ready for it. There's no way. Okay, we see these, we see these things happening. But while you're waiting on God, God is doing two things, preparing the promise for you and preparing you for the promise. We don't wait well, but it's a qualifier of a biblical hero. Abraham received the promise. Not all his decisions were good ones on the way. We're not patient people, yet God is patient. Another aspect of Abraham's life, though, is he chose to to, to live differently. He chose to live in a foreign land. He chose to go somewhere that he didn't know where it was going to be. And he chose to live in a culture that was different than what was in his heart. Let me, let, let me, let me read that in, uh, again in Hebrews 11. I'm, By faith he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. You can't live in the land of promise unless it's by faith. Seriously, you can't live in that land that God has called you, that promise, that, that journey, unless it's by faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. You got to have that faith. And once again, faith is that, is that belief. It's that trust that actually shifts your loyalty from the, the, the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. That's faith. Look at the decision that Moses made. We're going to look at that in a minute. I'm going to just have our worship team come up right here. But look at the decision that Moses made. Okay, when we go back to Hebrews 11, 24 and 25, it says, By faith Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He chose to live life differently. Heroes choose to live life differently. It's important that we that we get this. Peter writes about Noah and called him and, and being and called him a preacher of righteousness. I think I think Peter writes more about Noah than any other writer in the New Testament. Three different times, he says he was a preacher of righteousness. Peter was like, "Wow, this guy really inspired me." This guy wasn't living for the microwave moment. He wasn't looking looking for the fast. 
you know, the, the, the drive-through drive fast faith type package. He was saying, I'm in it for the grind. I'm in it for the long haul. Sometimes we think we're being pressed. Paul writes, I'm, I'm crushed but not persecuted. I'm pressed but not crushed. Persecuted but not abandoned. I mean, we don't understand what the early church people went through. We can get inconvenienced because maybe there's not, I don't like the coffee. Now it's not water in the church to flush the toilets. Let's stay home. I'm serious. I mean, some of the stuff we go through, we do. Line's too long. I mean, look at look at what the early church heroes, where Hebrews says that these were men the world was not worthy of. I mean, they're getting they're getting their heads cut off for their faith. They're getting crucified upside down. They're getting thrown into the into the arena with lions. Man, I'm telling you, well, I, I don't want to make you feel bad here, but come on, man. We got we to we get some stuff in our, in our spirit. The world doesn't need me. The world is looking for biblical heroes. People that will make a stand for something. People that will live. Paul, Paul writes this. He says, he says, consider your calling. They'll live, they'll live up and not down. It's so easy for us to live down. I'm, I'm not here to beat you up. I'm here to build you up. I'm here to encourage you up. It's a different way to live. We, we, we look at this in 1 Peter and says, but, but you're not like that. For you're chosen people. You know what it'd be like? You know, there was a time, a lot of parents go through this. There was a time when you know, you, you look at your kids and some of the decisions they make and you go, this is, this, is not who, this is not how I raised you. Can I get an amen? This is not, how, this is not what you're called to be because in your mind as a father, you're like, you put a, you, put a, you put a cape on them when they were born. This is Superman. This is Superwoman. They're called to do something. They're called to change the world. And then when they make decisions and they live like, no, wait a minute, this is not who you're supposed to be. Now I can confess we're all like that. We all went through that. My grandma and my mom, I found out later, always felt like I'd be a pastor, preacher. You know, I'm 17, 18 years old, and I just want to be a rock and roll star. I just want to party on. Seriously. But I can't imagine the heartbreak that they had because like we we have better we have more faith in that for how for and, and, and we need to understand that the world is looking somebody uh, one of the speakers this weekend was so it was so good because she said the world when you see the you see the wars and the rumors of wars and you see the division and you see the racial stuff and you see all the stuff that's going on it's the earth groaning for the sons of God to be revealed, knowing deep inside there's actually something better there. There's a different way to live. There's, a, there's something worth living there. And it's like, and, and, and we have the chance to do that. We're called to do that. Peter writes, but you're not like that. For your chosen people, your royal priests, a royal holy nation, God's very own possession. And as a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of darkness into this wonderful life. He says, once you had no identity as a people, now you're God's people. Wow, man, I, I'm a citizen of heaven if I believe in Jesus. I have a king. I have a kingdom. 
He has a banner. He has a flag. His banner over us is love. Man, I'm telling you what, I got to live in a different way. It's not in a religious way. It's not in a legalistic way, but it's in a, I got to have courage to release grace and, and mercy and love and compassion. I got to be able to just walk in this thing, even though people may ridicule me. We're trying to build something that's generational, that's eternal. Jesus is building his kingdom. He's using people like you. He's using people that look like me. He's using people that will have the heart of Jesus to reach the lost and the broken. And sometimes we get so distracted. Man, we just get so distracted. I want the fast lane. I want the microwave lane. I want the Chick-fil-A lane. And then he writes this in verse 11. He says, dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents, we are temporary residents and foreigners. Because really the Bible says that we live in his kingdom. We're a foreigner. Wow. To live properly among your unbelieving neighbors, then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God who judges the world. Biblical heroes walk above the crowd. They hold themselves to a different standard in their conduct, their conversation, and in their integrity. And like Abraham, we're living in a foreign land. Got to live different can't react like the world reacts we don't belong to the kingdoms of the earth we're citizens of heaven and it means that we show the goodness of God we don't operate like the world operates we don't we don't lie we don't steal we don't gossip we don't cause division criticism or suspicion is not a gift of the Holy Spirit that's not who we're supposed to be and just like the Israelites We've got to keep our eyes on the cloud by day and the pillar by night. We are people of presence carrying the kingdom of God in us. Heroes have courage. Heroes have courage to stand above the crowd. And because of their love, their joy, their peace, their patience, their kindness, their goodness, their self-control, these are the things that basically qualify us because it's the fruit of the Spirit in us. You may be here and you may be feeling like, man, I do not feel like a hero. I don't, I, I'm not walking like a hero. I don't know how I can attain to it. You know the cool thing? We're empowered by the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said that He'll give us a new heart and a new spirit. And He'll, he'll equip us. Man, I'm telling you why I'm so glad because I can't do this on my own. Man, on my own, I could just be as carnal as anybody. Remember the traits of the secular study that was looking for the hero gene? Let me read them for you real quick. Bravery, conviction, courage, determination, helpful, honestly, honesty, inspirational, and moral integrity. <laughs> secular study looking for a hero gene. There it is. Boom. That's who my God is right there. And that's who our God is in you. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? Man, I'm telling you what. The world needs heroes, and it doesn't need Marvel heroes. It doesn't need made-up heroes. They need people that look like you and me, flawed and failed and imperfect, but submitted to God, all in Jesus and filled and formed and led by the Holy Spirit. Maybe you don't feel qualified this morning. Maybe you feel like an out-of-shape four. I can't tell you how many times I do. I do. I look at my life, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. God, please, you got to help me. But Jesus qualifies you. He's become your righteousness. 
and heroes all have something in common. This is where I want to bring this down. Heroes all have something in common. They all have a God encounter. That's what changes it. That's what changes it. I'm believing this morning. Are you all in this morning? There's a God encounter that's waiting. Because there's times when I feel like, man, my, my cape is torn. It's tattered. I'm wore out. I'm not thinking the way that I need to think. I'm being a lot more, I, I, I'm just being critical. I'm being angry. I'm being impatient. And that I have an impatient, I, I have an encounter with the Lord and He changes everything for me. That's what we need, church. We are presence people. We're people of the presence of God. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes just for a moment this morning. There might be somebody here that you know, you're, you're, feeling the, you're feeling the love of God, the grace of God, and, and, and maybe even the inspiration, and maybe you've believed, but you haven't believed in that, that way that we would call faith that actually is the transfer of loyalty. The faith that God receives is that belief that transfers the loyalty to Him, opens your heart to Him. Beautiful picture in Revelation. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears me and opens, I will come in. That's the invitation. I, I, I would boldly suggest that you are feeling today. If you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior. And if that's you today, in the midst of people who will love you, in the midst of people who will celebrate with you, but it's your day to reach down, grab a hold of the handle that's only on the inside of your heart, open it up and say, Jesus, please come in. I need you. And if that's you this morning, nobody's looking around right now but me. I want you to raise your hand. I want you to say, Jesus, I want to give my life to you today. I want to agree with you today. Anybody here in this room, online, there's a link you can check. We'd love to partner with you. Listen, this is a, the, the, the most amazing step that you will take in your life. This is the step of faith. This is the step of life. This is the one where Jesus said, listen, I come that you might have life and have it abundantly. Come to me, all you are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. If that's you today, and that's a profession of your faith, you want to take that stuff, just wave at me. Just like, okay, pastor, I'm, I'm in. I'm all in. 